0: Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters.
1: Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters. Informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, where Dr. Jeffrey Carr is our board chair and Rudolph Johnson III is our president and CEO. Our vision healthy and educated communities where dreams become reality. Our mission is to enrich lives through a continuum of education and wellness services. Today, I am excited to be talking um, with one of my colleagues here, uh, Gail Taylor. Thank you so much for being on the line today. Thank you, Dr. White. And we're going to be discussing creating and sustaining culture change. We hope that today's episode and every episode of Leadership Matters offers value-added and thought-provoking ideals for advancing emerging and current leaders. So, hmm, creating and sustaining culture change. Gail and I were having this conversation, and I uh, thought we would share it with our listening audience. And so we're going to do something a little different today, and that I'm going to have Gail pretty much lead the conversation with regards to maybe doing some question answering. And I'll probably say more of the role of one of my... Um, that my um, guests typically play, and that is kind of responding to the questions. But, Gail, as we go through, again, I invite you to just um, dive in and, and uh, share your thoughts along the way and, um, and just questions as they come to you that might help yourself as well as our listening audience develop a better understanding of ways in which we might not only create a culture change but also sustain
2: one. So I'm going to just toss it over to you, Gail. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. White. You know, Dr. White, I know that you're a cultural psychologist. What is a cultural psychologist? (laughs) That's a really good question that I'm often
1: asked because I think people are familiar with clinical psychologists and they're probably a little bit more familiar with organization development um, psychologists, but not so much cultural psychologists. As a cultural psychologist, we really look at how the environment impacts the way a person thinks and behaves. And that's really the essence of, you know, the, um, what we bring um, in, our, in our journey. So very often I may work with an organizational leader and really having them be mindful about thinking, you know, does that organization's culture support the strategies that they're putting forth and how they're wanting the organization to advance
2: That is so enriching for any organization to have that as a part of their toolkit, you know, to be able to pull that out and to be able to utilize whatever the skills are that they could learn out of creating a sustaining culture change. Thank you. Absolutely. We are talking about creating and sustaining culture change. Perhaps a good place to start might be um, explaining what culture change is. You know, what is culture Okay, um, another uh, great place to start. Um, you know, there's so many
1: definitions of culture. Uh, one that I like um, uh, really came from a textbook that I had years ago. Culture and uh, psychology was really the name of it, and it escapes me with regards to the key authors, but if our listening audience probably just um, Googled culture and psychology, they might stumble across um, I want to say Thomas might have been the um, part of the publishing group. But culture, um, as they described it, was as a, a dynamic system of rules, and some of those rules being explicit, uh, some of those rules being implicit. In other words, some very clearly stated, others not so clearly stated, um, established by groups in order to ensure their survival and it involves, you know, the attitudes, the values, the beliefs, the norms and behaviors that are shared by a group but harbored differently by each specific unit within the group um, and then kind of communicated across generations, relatively stable, but with the potential to change over time. So when we think about our culture, like even the United States culture, we have a lot of co-cultures within the culture. We have this, this large American culture culture, um, And the co-cultures would be those groups that I think previously in literature might have been referred to as minority groups. We no longer think of those groups that aren't part of the um, larger, um, more populated group as being minorities as much as just co-cultures. We are sharing in the space of creating culture together. And so you may have um, Native Americans, African Americans, Asian Americans, you know, Latinas, Latino Americans, all within, you know, um, or one might use more of the government-related terms of Hispanics within this broader culture of American culture. All um, showing up, European Americans as part of the broader American culture, but co-cultures within. And within an organization, you may have a broad um, organization, like you may have the military. You know, I'm sure the US military's large organization. Within that you have the various branches of the military. Well within each branch of the military you have different stations and within different stations you have different units. And each of those units, just like here at the neighborhood house, we have the neighborhood house association, but we have the HR department, we have the organization development department, we have our legal department, we have Head Start, we have um, all of our various social service programs. Each department will have its own culture, so they'd be a co-culture within that broader culture, and ways in which things are done and how people show up may be a little different based on the norms that are established within each of those various uh, co-cultures, all tying up to the broader organization, and certainly
2: impacted by the broader organization, Yes, it's a very complex um, culture. It's very complex to how to know how to maneuver in such a place. So, how does leadership fold into the conversation of creating and sustaining culture? Mm.
1: Well, we think of culture is um, it's shared and it is created and maintained uh, through relationships. Well, I like to say culture becomes the stories that are told. Um, leadership definitely has a voice, and in that voice, I always have leaders think about what are the stories you're telling and all the stories that you're telling supporting the culture you're wanting to create. Additionally, leadership is a relationship, and um, it is essential to being able to foster an environment that's ready for culture transformation. If I trust you, if I view you as being credible, it's going to be a lot easier for me to hear you and to want to respond to a, to a person. So you say leadership. Um, another um, book that I really liked was The Leadership Challenge by Coons and Ponzer. It's just a wonderful read on, on leadership and leadership development. Their definition of leadership is leadership is the art of mobilizing others to want to struggle for shared aspirations. And so... The more a person can share up, can show up in a space where they are, um, one, recognizing that leadership is an art, so how we're going to approach different individuals in that shift and in that change, I have to be mindful of, and we'll kind of talk about that maybe a little later, um, but getting people to want to do something, uh, the more they can trust you as a leader, the more they view you as credible as a leader versus fearing you or being doubtful the more we're going to get someone to commit to whatever that change may need to be. It's always better if I'm going to try to engage someone, to engage them from a space of commitment, which requires trust and credibility, than from a space of compliance, um, overpowering uh, to get some action going forward. So uh, your question, I think, Gail, is spot on in regards to leadership as an important part of any
2: type of um, culture change. Absolutely. And in that leadership, how is culture formed within an organization? Mm. So, you know, I like to um, really say
1: that the culture becomes, over a period of time, whatever's being modeled, whatever's being supported, and uh, whatever's being rewarded. Uh, you know, Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see. Be the change you wish to see, and you know, so when we're kind of thinking about culture and I'm trying to have um a leader within an organization just think about how might they go about being mindful in that process of developing the culture, it really is deconstructing and then reconstructing you know what is being modeled, what is being supported and what is being rewarded uh, within an organization.
2: Yes, and I could see where challenges could really erupt in you know going back to square one when you're looking at yourself to see how you can adapt to culture change. So when you say culture becomes whatever is being modeled, supported and rewarded, could you talk more about what that looks like and you know let's start with modeling? Okay, so modeling.
1: You know, modeling is really being mindful of, or really it is, what are we saying and what are we doing? Um, You know, am I talking and walking my vision? And so, you know, I like to challenge leaders to really kind of think about what they say and what they do and, and to really start with sharpening their vision of what it is they'd like to see you know, observe what's going on, reflect on what they want, create space for input from others, integrate it and really kind of come with what their hope is. You know, what is my hope for the future? You know, what needs to happen? How do we need to engage in order to be successful in this space? So really beginning, that modeling begins with sharpening one's vision about, you know, what is it that you want to see in this culture change? And then really being able to... Um, Think about then how do I enroll others in this process? Martin Luther King said, A true leader is not a searcher of consensus, but a molder of consensus. So, how do I actually have others commit to creating this culture that we want to bring to fruition? And um, which kind of goes back to that whole thought of talking and walking the vision. Uh, Frank Belock, one of the uh, prior fabulous leaders with the city of San Diego. I used to um, enjoy working with him on a number of different projects, but one in particularly, we were talking about a communications plan. And um, our shortened version of really what that effective communication plan looked like, it was making sure they know, make sure they care. So how do we make sure they know, how do we make sure they care, and lead the way in our words, in actions. And making sure they they know and care really kind of goes back to that item of enrolling others. You know, how I might have the same message, uh, or there may be a larger message, but components of that message, what I might share with my board and what my board may be interested in and hearing about may be very different than what a frontline employee is interested in. All may be leading toward that same vision, but the role in which... Members are playing is very different. My board is looking at policy. Direct line employees are looking at implementing, you know, um, implementation and operations. The managers and so, and in between, they're translating that policy into actions that need to happen. So, what are the messages that need to happen or that need to be put forth in order to bring that vision to fruition? And if I go to frontline employees and I'm talking about things that they don't care about, it's not relevant to them, or I go to the board and I'm talking about, you know, detailed level things um, that deal with operations, my message may get lost. I may not be able to enroll different people from different spaces into that vision. So understanding what, you know, talking enough to understand what each party cares about and, um, and tailoring the message to the group I'm delivering the message to makes a big difference in being able to enroll others into that vision in that space in which we're talking about being able to model um, what it is we want to see in that that culture change. Gil, it sounds like we're getting a little bit of a a notification that we need to go to commercial break. Okay. So I am... um, I'm going to um, pause myself here <laughs> and then um, ask our listening audience to please stay with us. And when we come back, we'll talk more on this topic of creating and sustaining culture change. So please um, stay with us. we we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring
2: Solutions.
0: comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at Innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? How is your company's marketing plan? Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to marketing that won't break the bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, Please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to matters at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters.
1: And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Today we're talking about creating a sustaining culture change, and I'm delighted to have Gail Taylor with us, one of our organization effectiveness specialists here at the Neighborhood House Association, supporting us in having this conversation. So, Gail, thank you again for, for joining me for this conversation today.
2: Well, thank you for having me, Dr. White. You know, in reviewing what you said earlier, leadership really does Require an art to really gain the will of employees to engage in the vision. can you talk to us more about supporting? Oh sure so um, so yeah, so as we kind of talked
1: about that culture transformation and um, and really looking at you know what are the leaders within the organization modeling? What are they supporting and what are they rewarding? Kind of going back to where you just asked um, supporting. I would say supporting is kind of like put your money, put your energy, put your resources where your mouth is. what supporting, and in an essence, is what is is all about. So it's like what are you investing in? So if I say that I'm interested in improved customer service, am I willing to invest in the resources, in the time, and in the energy to ensure that that staff learn how to do this, to ensure that I stop and have the conversations that are necessary, that communicates that um, you know, customer service is important. If I say that um, cultural humility is important, am I willing to stop and and invest in what it takes in order to communicate that this is important? Am I willing to invest what's important at, or in the development of those that need development in this area? So when I think of support as relates to culture transformation within an organization, it is investing the resources, it's investing the time, it's investing the energy. It's engaging in the staff development. It's assessing where our staff relative to having the competence, the the know-how to do this thing that I'm wanting to see more of within the organization's culture. Do they have the know-how? Do they have the confidence? Do they have the will? And so how do I build the will? How do I build the confidence if needed? How do I build the competence if needed? And then is there alignment? With you know the um, goals that are established, is there alignment with performance expectations that are spelled out in people's performance evaluations that really communicates and says, you know, this is important. So whatever I want to see as elements of that culture transformation, I'm going to get clear enough on the vision so that I can model it, I can support it, and I can enroll the various stakeholders, be them internal to the organization or external to the organization you know i can enroll them in that vision and then i want to make sure again that i am supporting it in each of these elements that we just uh, talked about
2: yes and and in doing so you know it is so important to reward because change does come in the in the process of change one needs to be feeling confident that they're doing well so what do we do about rewarding can you talk about that
1: yeah, that, that's, a, that's another real important um, element. And it's interesting because we'll, I will step us back a little bit and say that um, individuals, we are all psyches. Um, and, and what that means is we have, we have a free will. And as a free-willed creature... We are intentional beings, and intentional beings things uh, will do things to get their needs met. So an intentional being will look at, you know, how do I get what I need and what I want? And when intentional persons come together, so when psyches come together, they create intentional worlds. And what we label that intentional world is a culture. So if I want intentional change to be happening within an organization, it is important for people to see, some value being created around that thing which we're saying is important within an organization's culture. So uh, rewarding is really about acknowledging and creating value around the element of the culture that we're wanting to change. So again, if it's customer service, then how do I create some um, value within the organization that says how we treat those who we're serving internally and externally is important to us. So And so it's about expressing appreciation. It could be as simple as a compliment and positive feedback. It might be um, providing an award with something that is beneficial, something that others will desire. And it's really about linking that desired um, at value, that desired um, thing that we think is important and those desired norms to those expressions of appreciation and to those benefits. You know, Gail, I think here at the Neighborhood House, probably an example of that would be our Lift, Learn, Serve initiative around service excellence. Yeah. Uh, when we started that journey, you know, probably eight plus years ago, the whole um, initiative around uh, service excellence. Um, a big part of it initially started with our executive team having conversations on what is service excellence to each of us, and then kind of coming up with our um, statement that service excellence is consistently delivering exceptional service that demonstrates eye care and builds a positive reputation and support for the organization, and having eye care being integrity, courtesy, attentiveness, responsiveness, and excellence, and then doing the eye care academy. Hopefully, building more awareness around how to practice good customer service. And then our service excellence shout-outs, which are really, if you see somebody that was demonstrating service excellence, then we want to um, have a you know, service shout-out sent to that person, and that person's name was put on our wall of excellence. And then those individuals... Names are putting our drawing where we did the, you know, it's time for wheel of excellence. And we were spinning the wheel around service excellence and then made sure that service excellence then became incorporated more into our employee of the quarters and other type of acknowledgments all around kind of raising the awareness of uh, service excellence. That was really about kind of creating more of a cultural awareness, more of a positive culture shift with an understanding of how important it was for us to treat each other with service excellence and for us to make sure that we were
2: treating our clients, those who we engage with also with service excellence. Yes, it starts from the inside going out. And I can say truly that here at Neighborhood House I've seen this plan in action where now we're seeing even more and more service excellence shout-outs for employees than we did in the very beginning. So I see the effectiveness of the eye care model. And Dr. White, what type of methodology do you prefer to use when engaging in assessing an organization's culture? Hmm. Uh, You
1: know, I think my favorite for organizational assessment, and I use it for um, culture as well, is using the appreciative inquiry approach. Yes, and the reason I, I like the appreciative inquiry approach is um, it happens to be very uh, much focused on generating solutions, and it's a approach that increases energy. And then there's no really need to hide the data. Sometimes people, when they're going through organizational assessment, when they get the data back, they are afraid to share the data. (laughs) And if you're afraid to share the data, you're not going to work with the data. And if you're not going to work with the data, the data's not going to really mean much. Uh, But the appreciative inquiry approach is an approach to gathering data that um, will require no need to hide it, and um, it will be one that actually increases energy. And in the process you're not finding problems that you have to problem solve as much as um, goals and um, ways to achieve those goals so a generation of solutions uh, to help move the organization forward.
2: Yes, and appreciative inquiry I've seen also. When I've noticed that the way that you utilize it, I do notice how people are truly energized. Like you said, they're encouraged to bring out the best in others. And more positive statements are are mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so could you say more about the appreciative inquiry approach? You know what are the steps that are involved in the appreciative inquiry approach?
1: Okay, so the appreciative inquiry approach has uh, four steps. And um, it starts with discoveries. and the discoveries is really all about you know what's going well, what are we currently doing? That are success stories. What are we currently doing that are strengths that we want to acknowledge? And we want to acknowledge them because we want to say it is making a difference and we want to have it continue. So, um, in fact, Gail, the uh, team building that we co-facilitated last week uh, when we were working with our social service programs on, you know, on... um, Looking at actually our iCare model, as a matter of fact, and and saying, you know, how does each element of our values, how is it um, exercised within the organization's body of work? And as you ask that question, and you're asking them, you know, what are we currently doing? um, That demonstrates integrity, what are we currently doing that demonstrates courtesy, what are we currently doing that demonstrates attentiveness, what are we currently doing that demonstrates responsiveness, and what are we currently doing that demonstrates excellence, and seeing how staff are able to identify these are the things that are strengths that we're doing to live these values, and, and having them talk about it, having them acknowledge it, hopefully solidifies the importance and the value in them continuing to do it. So that is actually the first step in the Appreciative Inquiry process. It's about sharing, analyzing, um, and really um, committing to the stories that are strengths and that are bringing us our current level of success. And then that next step in the Appreciative Inquiry model is dream. And dream is about what else could be. What does that uh, next step of effectiveness look like that might move us further toward that desired culture? that desired um, way of being. And so in um, in that same team building, you know, that next conversation was really about, well, and what else could be, what else could we do that could further live this value? What else could we be doing that could further live the value of integrity? What else could we be doing that could further live the value of Courtesy. What else are we doing or what else could we be doing that could further live that value of attentiveness, responsiveness, and excellence? And so really having them generate some possibilities around what that next space would look like around each of these values. And when we're talking about a culture change, you know, that's really what we're having them think about. You know, um, what is it that we... Doing and what else could we be doing to be living out whatever that desired culture is? Looks like we have to go to break again, so we'll get to those next uh, two steps. I should say um, those are the first two steps uh, discoveries and dreams. We'll come back and talk about the next two steps in this appreciative inquiry process of assessing culture change within an organization. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters Informing Leaders inspiring solutions.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions, Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
1: And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Today we're talking about creating and sustaining culture change. And with me today is Gail Taylor, one of our organization effectiveness specialists, joining us in having this conversation. Gail, thank you so much for um, coming on the air and just agreeing to guide this conversation um, so that we can discuss
2: those things that are relevant to this topic. Absolutely. You know, in your discussion about the appreciative inquiry approach, something that this process does truly is because it's a positive approach, it inspires one to become more affable on any topic that you might even want to discuss. It encourages people to get engaged. So you've already talked about the discovery and dream steps of the appreciative inquiry approach. Can you talk to us also about the other steps involved?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I would love to do so. You know, I'm going to pause and and just acknowledge what you just said because that is really um, one of the powers of this particular approach. I remember, um, you know, over 20 years ago um, in starting in the field of organization development and using more of a conventional um, organizational assessment um, approach, which, you know, our typical was, you know, um gap analysis or the what's going well what's not going well what can help make things better and if you did the what's not going well you never get out of the bucket <laughs> the problems, Yes, you know people are just, you know and then when you have a bucket of problems the natural thing in problem solving is to kind of you know, figure out who's not doing what well, and then you got a problem owner, and that problem owner feels very uncomfortable, so then they will try to um, tether that problem someplace else, kind of transfer responsibility, which we kind of call that blaming. And you get a blame storming, and then that blame storming, it just, it's very painful for people to sit in the room and to engage, and it can feel a little negative, and so on and so forth. But with the appreciative inquiry approach, You really end up looking for solution owners, and it is focused on what's going well, so that brings energy into the room, what else could be, so it takes you future focus. Future focus is always going to be more energizing, and it puts you in that space where, yes, you have to think about what's not going well, And you have to think about, how do I get there? So what you're really projecting and spending more energy talking about are the potential solutions. Gail, you used this model last week when you were um, working
2: with our staff. How did it feel for you? What, What was your experience? It was a great experience. I noticed how people became very engaged. They were more inspired to speak up as others began speaking up. So it was almost like lighting a match to a, a beautiful, beautifully scented candle, if I could say that. Yeah. Because people began to um, engage more and more. And the positive approach piece of that, I noticed when I looked at the audience, I saw smiles. <laughs> I saw question marks. I saw one another asking questions of one another. So it was a beautifully engaging um, instrument to bring the audience together to move forward Mm-hmm. It was right. a it was a really positive experience. Great, good, and you did it really well. I was I was um,
1: very pleased with your how you facilitated um, that segment of our team building too. So, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. So, um, responding to your question about what's next and the, the final two steps of the appreciation inquiry process, the third step is design, and design is. Um, is really about brainstorming actions to achieve the dream. So whatever we identify as, you know, what does that next level of effectiveness look like? What does it look like if we've moved to that, that um, new space in our culture? Those things that we want to see more of, you know, how do we get there? And so brainstorming ways to accomplish the dream, is really what that third um, D, that third um, step, in the appreciative inquiry process is about designing. And then the final step in that uh, process is the action planning. So we call that destiny. So it's putting an action plan behind the, um, you know, the, the dream. So we kind of look at, from the design stage, when we brainstormed actions, of those things that we brainstormed as possibilities, what would be some things that we'll actually commit to doing and who will be the owner, not necessarily the owner as the one who does it, as much as the one who's helping us... Um, Keep track of are we moving forward and getting it done. So in some cases I actually may be the action person or I just may be the tracker of the action to help make sure that we are accomplishing it by the timeline that it's established in that action plan. So what's the action item, who's the owner, what's our time? As we say, a dream remains a dream until you put an action plan behind it. Once you put that action plan behind it, it takes you to your destiny. So I know in our process uh, last week, we were um, being a little bit more free-flowing in the team building, kind of identifying what's going well so that people can continue to do those things that are helping, what else could be to kind of get to that next level. And then we kind of left it open. We didn't do the action plan with everyone um, collectively as much as asking each individual to say, what will they do to kind of help support those values becoming a greater part of the organization's culture? And um, and that's another way to kind of get some momentum and move some things forward. Uh, but another way is to, you know, I like to do what we call a blueprint for culture change. And in that blueprint for culture change, we have a vision element, for that uh, organizational assessment, what are the various elements of that uh, vision, and then what needs to be modeled, what needs to be supported, what needs to be rewarded, and then who's the lead in the time frame in order to kind of move things forward is um, one way. And and like literally in that blueprint, you can have columns with, you know, what's being modeled, what's being supported, what's being rewarded, who's the lead, and who's the time frame, or what's the time frame around that element as uh, ways to to achieve each element of that organizational culture change initiative.
2: Yes, and I notice how um, in in moving in that direction with the appreciative inquiry, the eye care model is so supportive in getting these actions done between the steps. Um, people are gaining more respect, not not just for themselves but for others. you know, being more you know using the eye care model with integrity and appreciativeness and being attentive and and responsive, and really developing a um an attitude of excellence. And it really does work well. It blends so well with this appreciative inquiry and getting through these steps.
1: Mm-hmm. no, definitely.
2: So how might one overcome resistance to culture change?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that's another really good question. I think anytime there's change, um, change hits different people in different spaces. I think um, one of the most important things is kind of recognizing how I show up. You know, how those individuals who are leaders within that culture change initiative, how are they showing up? Are they showing up in a way that's, that is more... Um, likely to um, generate trust? Um, are they shown up in a way where people can view them as credible so that their message is heard um, easily and in that space of developing rapport, which is what trust and credibility gives us, and in that space of doing things that indicate we have the organizations, the community, our persons who work here, their best interest at heart, in that space in developing commitment, then we're able to kind of move things forward. Uh, that in and of itself is very helpful. I think the other thing to understand is that people have different needs when it comes to personalities. I know we don't have time to talk so much about personality temperaments and interaction styles today, but personality shows up in um, understanding that we'll have some, that the change really needs to be communicated as something that's relevant to help them get on board with. For others, you know, honoring the past and allowing them to use the past as a reference point and bridging them to where it is you're trying to go may be important to be able to get them on board sooner. Um, For others, they need to see this change as providing some type of logical option um, and it fitting into needs now and needs into the future. And then you have others where communicating the meaning and the significance behind that culture change may really support them in moving things forward. And then I think for all, we all want to be forewarned. I think there's nothing worse for most people than being kind of caught off guard. So the more advanced notice we can give people about changes that we're looking at implementing, the more um, easier it is to get them to settle in and move Forward, and in that space of change that we're talking about the vision, creating space to empathize to hear the voices, what others may need, and involving them and um sharing you know what might work best for them, how this change might impact them, what might be the best way to implement it, will also inform us on how we go about making change in a way that's most successful but also is more likely to overcome some of the resistance that we might find our encounter in leading a culture change initiative.
2: Yes, change can be a challenge for, for many people, but when when one is shown how how the change has its positive effects, even if they're resistant to the change, it seems to soften the blow of change and usually they can get on board. So so when looking at that, How do you encourage those who are really showing resistance to change? Yeah. You know, I I think sometimes you just have to have one-on-one
1: conversations and find out, you know, what is that about for them? You know, what is it about for them that, um, you know, resistance is often embedded in fear. And so, um, you know, how do I then do the opposite of fear, which is build trust, right? Yeah. And so um, and very often trust is built in our, our willingness to demonstrate compassion. And I like to think of compassion as being love in action. So if I'm patient, kind, encouraging, um, it can open the door to um developing greater trust and where you have greater trust you have more open communication and when you have more open communication you're very often more um, likely to figure out what's triggering that person's um, heels kind of being um, dug into the ground you know really what is that resistance about and so kind of going where they are in that space of empathy understanding their world um, and doing so in a way that feels compassionate just really might be that thing that kind of unlocks the um, the resistance and creates a greater openness um, so that we can bridge some understanding and um, and hopefully get some movement forward.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and sounds like we have to go to commercial break. So um, please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on leadership matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
0: Business community's first choice in internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Shube, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Matters at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters.
1: And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions, talking today about creating and sustaining culture change. Uh, Gail, I have just enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you. I have, too. Yeah, we uh, just really uh, appreciate your being on today and just kind of talking about the elements of culture and how culture is formed, as well as, you know, just, uh, you know, how do we kind of go about this process of modeling, supporting, and rewarding um, those things that we want to see in order to develop the culture that we'd like to see uh, more of, and um, I think just the journey through the appreciative inquiry process and assessing the organization's culture. So um, just have enjoyed this conversation, just kind of looking back through some of the notes I've jotted as we were uh, responding and moving through the conversation.
2: Yes, and I too have... Thoroughly enjoyed this, and I know it could go on for further. We could really go in deeply, a little deeper into a lot of subjects. But for the sake of time, I did want to press on one point. I wanted to ask, you know, because I've seen this uh, through um, my own interactions with employees and coworkers when um, when they're in the process of adaptation, of trying to do things different to improve the work relationship and to go through uh, culture change in a manner that's, um, that's working both for the co-worker and for themselves. How do you press on when things are challenging, when, when the, road begins, the road to success begins to look weary? How do you press on
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really um, good question. I think in the midst of um, people feeling like Things aren't going well and their needs are not being met. Um, Julie Salinger's work on fearless change, you know, comes to mind when people feel like their needs may not be met. It's very easy to find oneself on that fear path and in that space you might deny you have a need, you might resist a need, communication may become passive or aggressive, might see more of that blaming and you see a lot of unhealthiness that can come up uh, within the individual and then therefore the team dynamic. being able to stay on the trust path, and when I say on the trust path, accept our needs and um, be able to communicate assertively but not aggressively, you know, what those needs are, and just trusting that our inner voice will be heard and staying calm and negotiating and feeling empowered are all, you know, really um, powerful things to do to press on. And much of it starts with not losing hope. You know, the opposite of hope is despair. And when we find ourselves in a space without hope, in that space of despair, you know, at, at home we call it depression. At work we call it burnout. But yes. what shows up is still the same thing, and it's like a, a loss of hope. And when we allow ourselves to hope and then to dream our dreams, it's a, you know, hope is the dream that awakens the soul. We stay awakened when we keep our dreams alive, and in that dream I get a vision, in that vision we get energy, and if I can believe in that dream and have faith, then I can look beyond my circumstances. If all I see are my circumstances, I'm stuck. But when I can actually rise above the circumstances through being able to simply hope and imagine and dream that thing which I wanted to bring to fruition and have enough energy there to hold that belief to where I can plan and do those things to move it forward, then I can continue to press on. But the moment I lose hope, very often it's going to be the moment where my attempts to change have only cost me. Very often it's moving past the change and being able to press on until it's come to fruition that I now begin to to gain and reap the benefit of the efforts that was put into trying to make that
2: change happen uh, from the beginning. Yes. That is very powerful. Because when you have hope, you can hold close to the vision that you sometimes lose sight of, but it can be regenerated when you come back to hope, and then you can press through to see that vision come mm-hmm. forward. No, absolutely. 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 So, Gail, how much
1: yourself? Do you have any um, additional thoughts or final thoughts that you would want to um,
2: share with our listening audience? Yes, I, I think that uh, it's just important to stress again the the hope, the purpose for the reason why you're traveling the journey. If you keep true to it and just hold close the vision of the change that you hope to see you'll see it one day. It'll be there. And I know that during those trying times, that's when we have to figure out, where can I redirect my thoughts? So to redirect your thoughts, the good go-to place would be the thing that you hope to see change in. Mm hmm Absolutely. Yes, and Dr. White, what about you? What are your final thoughts? Mm-hmm. You know, I think my final thoughts are... are, um,
1: closely aligned with yours, I I think um, if someone is looking at pressing on and trying to um, create culture change, I'd say start with, you know, what is it that you hope for? Um, And and envision that hope. Enroll others in that vision and also be open to if your vision is impacting others, hearing what their needs and desires are, and refining that vision based on what it is you're you're hearing. And then moving to that space that Gandhi challenged us all, um, with regards to be the change you wish to see. And we say be the change you wish wish to see as that leader, just being really mindful about, you know, what is it that I am Modeling. What am I saying and doing, and is it consistent with the vision of change that I'm desiring to see? And what am I supporting? What am I really investing in? What is in those performance evaluations? What do I stop and provide coaching on? Um, what types of trainings am I approving in? And. and uh, setting forth within the organization, and is it furthering the vision that it is, you know, that we'd like to see, and then what is really rewarded? Are people being awarded and are they receiving benefits from the things that are really consistent with the values and the vision change that we have in mind, or do people get benefits from things that are really contradictory to those things that are rewarding? So am I... As a leader, just mindfully modeling, supporting, and rewarding within this organization, within my family circle, within my home circle, wherever I want to see within that community circle, wherever I want to see the change, you know, am I conscious about how I show up and what it is I say and do and what it is I support and then what it is I incentivize in my action would be kind of like my summary and final thoughts. Very good. Thank you so much, Dr. White. Yes, and thank you, Gail. You know, i say it has um, truly been a joy, I think, having this conversation with you. And uh, I uh, appreciate also our listening audience. We appreciate your tuning in today. And please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Music.